Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, Outcasters, welcome back to the town of Rome where everyone is still very, very sad. It's your recap for Season 1, Episode 6 from The Shadows It Watches. We're going to break it down for you. Us, this wonderful panel of ABTV's own Boo Radleys. So please, stick with us. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Yeah, this feels right. Right? Mm-hmm. From from the shadows, Sting watches all of us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's better than whatever's watching them this <laughs> Demonic, week. a weird demonic goo monster. I'll take Sting. Or creepy Brent Spiner. Yeah. All the bad. Can we get, at some point before the end of the series, which I hope runs for ten years, before the end of the series, can we get Brent Spiner doing, doing this, or really any Sting number? Yeah, I feel yeah. like if we write in a personal request, they're going to be like, you know what, this is exactly what the show is missing. I when we that get to precisely. like, yeah, when we get to like Outcast <laughs> season six, I want the, like a jukebox musical episode, and it's all songs by Sting and the Police. Yes, would be amazing. Hi, we're, we're here <laughs> talking of, we talking here. about pop music. I am Lex Michael. I am all over social media at the Lex Michael, and I am here with. Hi guys, I'm Joel Monique. You can find me everywhere at Joel Monique. Hello everyone, I'm Abby Vega. You can find me at underscore Abby Vega. So guys, as alluded to at the very, very top of the show, everyone in Rome is still quite bummed out. Mm. But it does seem that whereas last week seemed to be very much about characters receiving information that drastically upsets the worldview that they've clung to, this episode, in my perception of it, was about essentially putting the pieces back together following an event like that. I thought they did a phenomenal job spinning a bunch of plates. I want to know right off the bat, what did you guys think of this episode overall? Man, I like it because I've been saying for a long time that Reverend Anderson is a narcissist (laughs) who's vain and has issues, and I'm glad that we finally get to delve into that. I'm glad we get to expose Reverend Anderson for, I mean, me personally, the hypocrite that he is. Like, just... I have issues with him. Yeah, okay. and while everyone is still sad, I did make a note that I was very happy to see Kyle working, and he seemed to, like, kind of have friends. The, the like, he weird... Was smiling and having, like, a little lunch break with his work crew. Considering how big a bummer everyone is dealing with existentially, Kyle included, this is maybe the most well-adjusted we've seen him? Absolutely. Yeah, so I love this episode, but I, I specifically liked I liked to see that a little bit. I was yeah. like, hey, Kyle, even though it ends back where it began. Yeah. <laughs> And that does that, it does seem a little bit like in picking up some of the pieces that that resulted from the fallout last week. It does seem like in some ways, specifically uh, the relationship between Kyle and Reverend Anderson, it seems a little bit like we're back at square one with mm-hmm. them almost. But they have now gone through these additional circumstances yeah. that give give this return to square one a bit more color than they had when they were there originally. But I, I did want to start. By talking about Reverend Anderson, because he is the character that we, when we start the episode, we jump right in and we see him obsessively going through these tapes of his old 
exorcisms. And there's something so almost pitiful about it. It's performance theater for one, and it's so funny. It's like these giant acts these people are putting on, like, just flailing their limbs and like, Mm -hmm. oh my god, and then having seen what a real exorcism looks like on the show, you just feel bad for him. (laughs) You're just like, how did you miss it? Time and time and time and time. Like, I got from the beginning of the series that there were maybe, like, 15, you know? And it seems like there might be 30, 45, 50. Okay, that's what I said. I wrote, I go, how many of these did he do? <laughs> and those are big failed? pile of tapes. Yeah. A lot of tapes. And it was so sad. He was pretty much torturing himself just seeing how he just completely got deceived by these demons every single time. And I liked that he finally admitted, admit, you know, I liked the attention. I liked the praise I was getting. I was so happy to hear that. I love, he totally has, he, Reverend Anderson, late, yeah, later in this episode when we see him talking to God, he has this moment that it took Walter White six years to have, <laughs> and, and Anderson has it in the sixth episode where he finally goes, this thing that I dedicated all of myself to, I said, I told everybody, I even told myself for a while that I was doing, mm-hmm. I was doing it for this higher purpose, for this good altruistic mm-hmm. reason, but in reality, he may as well have quoted Breaking Bad and yeah. said, I liked it. Yeah. I did it for me. I was good at it. It made me feel alive. And it, it is coming when it does in this episode after we spend 40 minutes-ish watching Reverend Anderson just bristle so aggressively at the idea that even after everything they've seen, he and Kyle, he can't do this by himself. Like, when he was looking at the tapes, it seemed to me like he was desperate to find some piece of information that would tell him not even that that what he's done wasn't a waste, but that, oh, Kyle isn't that special. Yeah. I can do this without him. And additionally, this notion that he wants to prove, or he's desperate to find some indication that this evil they're fighting cannot adapt. Because if this evil can adapt, who, what what could the answer possibly be other than, I have to go back to Kyle. I honestly don't know if Reverend Anderson got that far as to can this evil adapt. I yeah. I didn't get the sense that he was looking much further than why is Kyle able to do what he can do and I can't. Like he's not special. Right. Oh, that's that's me. I'm reading way into it. I'm just following it as far as I possibly can because it's like well, he was under the impression, right, that he could use I was going to say traditional exorcism, which sounds a little <laughs> counterintuitive, but, but but he could use a more straightforward exorcism as we, even just from watching fiction, an exorcism as we generally understand it. Obviously, that hasn't been effective. And he's, I, I think, I mean, tell me if you disagree, he's certainly someone who's under the impression that if you're possessed by a demon, we can exorcise you. That's that's how we do it. If we can't, if we can't do it that way, what what do we do? What do I do? And so that's that's where I come back to. He's just trying to find anything that could answer that question that isn't go back to Kyle. I see what yeah. you're saying where he like turns to blood magic. It seems like where he's like, this is yeah. the only difference. I have to cut my hand from thumb to palm, by the way, which I was like, that is not going to heal easily I or cringed. well. Oh like, God, a paper cut hurts, man. Right. I mean, yeah. just the thick of your palm. It seems like a much easier way to, d- anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and, but, and freaking Logistics. out poor Patricia, who shows up to... Just try and and maintain this connection. Yeah. Side note, 
Patricia, this was the first episode that I because I actually wrote down, I go, wait, she she genuinely seems into him. This was the first episode I didn't get evil vibes from her. Yeah. That I, I didn't think that there was some ulterior thing. It seems she genuinely likes him. And I don't know if I wasn't paying attention in other episodes, but before this episode, I didn't get that genuine I feel like feel. I misinterpreted her reaction as evil when I think really they were more just desperate. Yeah. Like, she was like, I will do anything to stay in this house and make this guy happy so that I can be in a good relationship. And if even part of what her son is saying is true about her, like, just going from guy to guy, like, she found a reverend. Like, yeah. Patricia totally... was like, I've upgraded. This is better. And so to see this whole downfall, it really made you feel for her. Yeah, I just misread that whole situation. Yeah, and when you when you get the veil pulled back, you know, when they pull the curtain back on Patricia and who she is, what her life is like, it, it was a really interesting inversion of, yeah, like what I expected, which is she is potentially dangerous to Anderson. Mm-hmm. When in fact, not physically, but rather emotionally, Anderson is far more dangerous to her. Yeah. And, I mean, look, he's unraveling further and further. Who knows how dangerous he could possibly be? I don't... We see him get a little more physically aggressive in this yeah. episode. Not, uh, thankfully, not towards her. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no. But I think that's, like, one of the things that's really fun about this kind of show is you do question everyone just thinking they could be evil, and then when they're not, you're kind of relieved, like, oh. <laughs> but then, like, who knows, maybe they'll twist it back now and she ends up being evil. It's just one of those you just never know, which I like. Uh, yeah, so, and, and you really immediately, before you even get the scene with her and her son at breakfast, you get a sense the way the way that she's being played. There is something... There, there is a yearning there. There's a yearning for connection, for stability, for love, for this this thing that she's chasing. And you hear from her son. She's been through a string of men, and it never works out. And she, she's missing something. And she's, for whatever reason, seems like she's not able to give it to herself. She's looking for it elsewhere. And then you get this, uh, you get this moment that just made me go like, "Dude, no, stop!" Where she tries to connect with Anderson, and Anderson essentially almost completely blows her off. Mm. And then when she doesn't immediately take the hint, his his next step is essentially, all right, all right, fine, fine. You want to be around this? Fine, here, check this out. And he shows her the dude in the basement. (laughs) I was so confused about who was going to be in the basement. I thought it was going to be a big twist on someone that we already been introduced to or something. But it took me, we haven't seen, I believe his name is Caleb. We, have we seen Caleb no, before? No. I was like, I, who is this man? That's what I was saying. I thought the way they were building it up with, like, the different shots they were doing and not showing who was in there, I thought it was going to be someone we knew. Yeah, and I, I will get more into Caleb, but I like how that twist kind of plays out. But I'm right with you, just this whole idea of, like, well, you, this is not... You're losing it, man. Like, you're you're quickly sliding off a ledge to take this... This woman can't help you. No. She's not spiritually inclined, man. <laughs> she just wants to be your girlfriend. Right. <laughs> and, like, and like <laughs> not for nothing, the fact that she is not properly equipped to be a holy crusader totally doesn't, it doesn't mean... <laughs> it doesn't invalidate her as a person. Not even a little bit. So you get this moment where he's like... he's After she sees that he's got somebody captive in the and basement... He's cutting himself in front of her, and then when she, understandably, is a little, you know, a little put off by some of what's happening. Can we get Kyle, the guy you've been saying, can do this? Yeah. And and not for nothing, right? Like, her reaction isn't, oh, God, I have to get away from you now. I'm calling the police. You are horrifying. It's, 
I don't know how to help, but I want to try to help. Yeah. Which is pretty remarkable, I thought. Yeah, especially this late stage in the game of, like, we're in a church, you've kind of kidnapped a guy for all that she can tell, and now you're practicing some questionable religious practices here that kind of would seem demonic to just the outside perspective, and then when he completely just snaps her, it's like, if you're not going to be supportive, you could just get out. And I'm like, you're done, man, now you're yeah. alienating people, yeah. like classic signs of just trouble. Well, he actually says, he goes, fear gives it strength, and if that's the only thing you bring here, I don't need you. And I'm just like, bro. <laughs> Come on. He's just losing it. Like, he's dude. on one right now. <laughs> but, then, on yes. one. but then, but then, instead of completely bailing and going, alright, well, F this crazy man, she goes to Kyle. Which is nice. It's the nicest thing she possibly could have done in this moment. It's like, but is it... It, it makes me wonder, is she nice to me? She she seems nice, but it's just desperate. It just, I can't tell with her. I, I, I grew <laughs> to like her, though, this episode. Until this episode, I kind I was very indifferent oh, about yeah. her. I was kind of like, whatever, she seems kind of weird, and she's super into the Reverend. And But this episode, I grew to like her and as a character and wanting to kind of know more about her. Well, and she got to be, she got to be proactive. Mm-hmm. You really were only ever able to see her react and only for very limited mm-hmm. windows of time. I think up until this episode the most proactive thing Patricia did was make a pie. And <laughs> yeah. not, that, not that there's anything wrong with making pies. I, look, I can't bake. I think being able to make a pie and have it look that aesthetically pleasing is quite an accomplishment. It really is. There is, there is uh, I think a, a line of demarcation. There's a step up one takes from making a pie to like joining in the in the crusade against, yeah. against unholy demons. There's some steps missing in there. <laughs> for sure. You gotta graduate. For sure, but since now we intersect with Kyle, I wanted to jump back and talk about Kyle a little bit because, yeah, hey, he's got a job. I mean, <laughs> I mean hey, 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 he was just, he was unemployed he, like a week ago. But yes. like, but are we saying he? It's probably he had a job at this point. Well, well not even that, but just fair. I, a couple days. This whole time, I felt like Kyle is doing his best. Like this is how you get to happy, kind of facade, like. I'll do the job, and I'll stop reaching out to the wife, and I'll stop hunting demons. And but he I'll does—he do... does send Allison money. Like when he gets paid, he puts cash in an envelope yeah, every week. As soon week as and they get to... the envelopes back, he's like, "Yeah, okay, done with that." Like he's slowly just killing himself internally so that he can be what he's supposed to be. And I immediately was like, "BS, we're gonna get Kyle the Demon Hunter back very soon," and I look forward to it. I felt bad, though, because to me, I genuinely felt he wants nothing to do with that. He wants to just have a normal life, and obviously he realizes that that's just not going to happen. But to me, he genuinely just seemed to just not want any part of it. There was a little bit of what read to me like he was blaming himself for what happened with Sherry at the end of Mm -hmm. the last episode. Oh, yeah. Which is, you know, and then I go, well, if he blames himself for that, how, like, does he still fully hold himself responsible for the state that his mother's in, which is pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. But it it seems like, yeah, he's now carrying guilt uh, around along with this sense of failure to be able to adequately combat this threat. So it's like, yeah, all right, I don't... He literally says, you know, Patricia says, oh, how can you just go and sit in there and and not do anything to help? And he says, well, it's better than making it worse. Mm -hmm. So in the absence of being able to do anything to combat the the demons and the goo monster and and Brent Spiner, he's yeah he's going to try to you know reach out reach out but give Allison space but support be there for them financially if he can't be there for them physically. Well, he even says like he's like you know I'll just the guy who beat his wife and daughter like I'll just be 
that loner who's on the outside of town and nobody wants anything to do with because he's a bad, scary guy. It it just I don't need this guilt trip from you, Kyle. <laughs> like get better so you can start doing something. This whole like I'll just stay over here in my room. It's just like a teenage temper tantrum. Weirdly self pitying, and it's, you could you could almost understand it. Sure, but it's weirdly self pitying. And then he does go the extra mile and he compares himself to the Boo Radley. Radley. I love that <laughs> because that's like my favorite book ever, and I love Boo Radley. Yeah, but by the way, if you're listening or watching <laughs> us it. and you didn't catch the reference, Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. If you go and watch the movie with Gregory Peck, it's Robert Duvall, actually, a very yeah. early Robert Duvall performance as Boo Radley, the the perceived recluse. perceived as the creepy, strange recluse who actually turns out to be not um, so bad. Nice yeah. guy. Which which Patricia throws back oh, in yeah, Kyle's like, face. You're no Boo Radley. Yeah, Boo Radley turned out to be the hero, hero. Kyle. It's like mic drop. She should have snapped her fingers <laughs> and walked away and just be like, there, done like a giant hair flip. And you know what? I <laughs> so ridiculous. I like I like the mental image of her getting right in Kyle's face, being like, "Boo Radley was a hero, Kyle," and then turning, <laughs> turning, flipping her hair. It hit, the hair hits yeah. Kyle in the face, and it's the slow mo, like like in Raging Bull, him taking a punch. Yes. He's like, "Oh, oh you can like face. see his skin like flapping." <laughs> and then like you hear on the soundtrack like an ambient whisper that's like, "Truth." <laughs> Uh, when, so do, weirder. when do I get to direct one of these guys? Um, but so it seems a little bit like even that, even that by itself may not have been enough. He may have gone inside and sulked it off till morning and, and just gone back to work. But he wakes up in the middle of the night and is ter- terrifyingly baited outside where he is whacked in the face with a walking I, cane. I like, freaked out. I was like, Mildred, <laughs> she's a freak of nature. Mildred is I very love weird. this character. She is so strange and bizarre and like, I don't even know. And this is why it's like, look, could could another actress have conceivably played this part? Sure, I, I suppose. But to get a Grace Zabriskie in this part to me is such a wonderful coup of casting because you take... You take a character that could could be played as just a very as a creepy old lady, and you make her <laughs> one of the most like she just pops yes, in a way that so, so few dynamic. characters, so few characters on TV, I yeah. feel no, do consistently. Nobody has this kind of range of being childlike women and then completely terrifying in a way that is genuine. Like you could harm that person to being like a weird mischievous demon. Yeah, like it's all over the map, and yet it feels true to this character. And I, I was sorry to have to say goodbye to her, presumably. Yeah. That's what it seems like, because it seems like she overstepped a bit, right? Mm-hmm. It's, she She's on top of Kyle, and she starts to drain him, and she has that line about, oh, I know you weren't supposed to be just for, for me, me. Yeah. and I'm going like, what? 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 That's what I'm saying. A lot of things that she says. And yeah, like she's... the fact that the Reverend might be do some real yeah. damage. Like, I was like, should what? you guys be afraid of him? I know. Has he been doing actual stuff? That's what I was saying. So many questions. So, many, so, so many questions. how did you guys read? Because obviously she is she is pulled off of him by by something that we don't see, and I assumed Sydney? it was Sydney. That's what I mm-hmm. said too. Because the very next time we see her is speaking to Sydney, and that's where they have this short conversation about, you know, what do we do about the Reverend, and, and oh, yeah. I'll take care of him, I know all his kind things, and she asks him, you know, what about me? And of course, the next time we see Mildred... She is gone. Yeah, yeah. we know what about her, there's no more Mildred, there's the shell of Mildred. He told you not to mess around, Mildred, and it's clear he's more powerful than you. You got And greedy. side note with Sydney, someone, I, I forget the name, but someone totally commented on one of the videos saying 
predicting or saying that Sydney was living at Norval's. Which I didn't even pick up on. Yeah, no, his car appears in frame. Okay. Uh, in lo- the last episode, like we're sitting right by Sydney's car, Orville's house is here, and then uh, Kyle's walking back up to See, his place. See, I took that as that was. I yeah, I didn't get that. I, I I took it as when he went to like creep around in his house sure. that his car was still just there or something. But it does seem like he's settled in because we yeah. see him he, we see him very creepily when Kyle goes out the next morning he's working on Norval's car and then goes into Norval's house and starts you know washing up and, and things yeah. he, he looks very at home but then to, to be fair though so far uh, this season Sydney has a habit of just wandering in wherever he wants <laughs> well, to even in this episode he says oh it's easy for me to get in and out wherever I need to like if I want to be here I'm yes. gonna be here so Sydney doesn't the world is Sydney's home okay where he decides to wipe his feet that's where he's it's going. It's so weird, because sometimes Sydney really just seems like, when he was just fixing his car, I'm like, you just seem like a nice neighbor. He plays a good you know? game. Yeah, He's got he, the words down, he knows exactly what, like, that lie. Like, anything of the Grinch, he thought up a lie, and he thought it up quick. He was <laughs> yeah. like, and like, he's he's like, like, I just can't let all this go into storage or the dumpster. He lived out here like a hermit. He has I gotta take care of my friend. Sure. Calm demeanor, and his appearance and everything, just so, like, mm. nice guy, but then he turns it on, man. But you know, you know now Kyle's starting to go, hmm? Yeah, this guy. <laughs> He's like, this is this is too peculiar too yes. many times in a row yeah. for me not to at least cock my head to the side like a puppy a little bit. Like, what? Right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but the weirdness aside, it seems like Kyle is on, if not a fulfilling path, at least he, he is trying. And we see him, we see him working, and we see Megan comes, visits him at work, but she has apparently still been talking to Allison, and Allison doesn't want the money gave it all back she you know appreciates it but it's not just not not yet it's not we're working on it we're rebuilding and then uh, kyle kyle's life is just (laughs) kyle's life is just awful he goes back to work and he has this hallucination he's got the tar bucket and then he of course hallucinates the tar bucket coming to life like the goo the goo stuff which, of course, prompts him to walk off his yes. job. Which is why, Abby, earlier, like, uh, does he still have a job? Probably yeah. not. Probably not. Probably like, not. I went out on a whim for Yeah. You. His supervisor's like, I took a chance. Yeah. And, blah, blah, blah. and Kyle's like, whatever, bro. Pieces. You don't know what I suffered through. I feel like that guy might give him a second chance. He felt like, he looked like he was like, I don't know how to reach this kid. I don't know yeah. how to help him. He's hurting. I can't get through to him. I have to let him go today. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe he gives. I read a lot of that guy's performance. I thought it was really good. <laughs> I I Any hope nominee? so. Right? Uh, <laughs> I would I would like to see Kyle not lose his job immediately, if only because like not, just one thing that's not horrible. Yeah. I will. I'm not even expecting a nice thing to happen to anyone anymore. I mm. will settle for one not awful thing. I know. Yeah. yeah. And buddies can't like having a little banter over sandwiches at lunch. It just was the most normal thing. I've and like he actually, it it seems like it maybe took a little bit more out of him than it would you or I. But he actually like smiled and yes, laughed a little bit. He did, which is great. And he has these moments even with uh, with with Megan, where it seems like he's very gradually crawling back out of himself yes, in a, in a positive way. And, stuff, like, and joking, and, yeah. he, and she has that moment where she's like, oh, you're so weird, and as he's walking away going back to work, she says that, you know, she loves him, and he says it back, and it's it's nice. It's like, hey, look, there's yes. there's the guy. There's hints of the guy that everyone who knows Kyle seems yes. to remember mm-hmm. is there that like we haven't gotten Allison to see. fell in love with, everything, and I'm like, Kyle... But of course, when Kyle bails on his job, he goes he goes to the church, and then he and 
and the good Rev get into their their little lovers tiff. Can we give Trisha Brock kudos for that really low angle shot on the church like it's not see, but in the front of the church where it's just Kyle and Reverend Anderson. That shot is so beautiful, and it looks like it's a straight-up comic book panel. Like, yes. It was really, like, that nice, tall, kind of wide, top-of-the-page panel. I liked it a lot. I There were a lot of—yeah, Trisha Brock, who directed this episode, brought a lot to it. And obviously, when you're directing for television, you're really not supposed to put too much of a stamp on it. You're basically yeah. brought in to— Keep it consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you have to do your work, but you're essentially meant to keep it consistent. But within that, if you're a skilled enough director, there's a lot of room to play. And I thought a lot of the little touches that she brought to the table were excellent touches like that. But also, like, for example, like, there's a perfect uh, this scene between Anderson and Kyle. The way she's able to ratchet up the tension between these two guys. The way she's able to, yeah, it does get a little physical with Anderson, you know, actually start shoving mm-hmm. Kyle a little bit. But the way that even these two guys, their words feel a little bit like they are physically hitting each other. Mm-hmm. The way that she cuts around them or chooses not to cut around them, I think is crazy, crazy effective. But yeah, to watch these two guys go at it, because this is as close, I think, um, unless unless next week they're just literally beating each other to death. I can't. This is this is them fighting. Yeah. I mean, they're not they're not either one of them are aggressively physical. People, although you wouldn't know it, having watched Kyle like punch the little boy a whole bunch. Right, or Reverend Anderson seems to get like just his top blows quickly, like hit him, hit him. Last episode, or like he's just he's so unstable, and it's scary, and it's also a little bit frustrating because for a guy who talks so much to God and feels so close to God, like you're living a pretty biblical story here. Like God doesn't give you what you want; He gives you what you need. And the fact that you have the tools to stop and prevent all of the things you've been trying to stop and prevent now, and that you're just looking to give horse in the mouth, you're like, no, I don't want him, I want the power. It's like, but you, he's yours to pretty much direct and aim as you see fit. Like, you're taking him to these places, you're making sure he uses his power for good. Without you, there really isn't, Kyle just kind of is adrift in the wind, you yeah. gave him purpose. And it's so frustrating to sit, like, from the sidelines and watch him continuously, like, just... Be such a hypocrite. Like, it's just so annoying. Get in there. See what you have. And he's... Uh, yeah. I mean... Anderson. Anderson's tough because it's it's hard not to see his point of view a little bit. But it's also very hard as a, as a total third party, as an audience member, not looking at the set of circumstances surrounding him. Just going like, dude, just like sit... On, on the stoop for a little bit, like, have a Fanta, or, or, or like, you know, or, like, apparently he's got, he's taken up smoking, again, we see him light yeah, a cigarette later, just have a smoke or something, take a deep breath, because it just seems like all, all day, all day, Anderson has just been blowing people off left mm-hmm. and right. First it was Patricia, then he talks to Chief Giles briefly, and is basically like, hey, so the, yeah, my, my work didn't didn't go so well. And Giles is like, hang on, what? Because Giles actually seems to know what's going on. He's like, you have a lot of those, though, right? And he's yeah. like, was like, well, I don't even know. I don't, get out of here. And, it, and Giles is like, what? He's like, nah. and Anderson just goes back in the church. So he's been, he's been doing this all day. So then when Kyle shows up, that's the thing, too, is like, Kyle shows up and he can't blow Kyle off. Yeah. Kyle won't allow it to happen. So when, when they finally have it out, it's, it's cathartic and it's also a little bit like where does this where does this stop are they going to be able to actually find a happy medium or does this just keep building and building and building to a place where they can't uh what's the expression they can't put the teacup back together as it were 
But then, thankfully, Big Dude breaks out of the basement, yeah, and they d- they're both given a uh, point of focus yes. that they can share. And Although, Reverend doesn't even want to share that. He really no, doesn't. He's he doesn't. like, no, get away, he's mine. I know. He's mine. Oh, my like, gosh. Kyle doesn't want him. <laughs> like, Kyle doesn't want to do this. He like, would just like to not die. That's like, the that's difference. It. That's, like, the difference between Kyle and Reverend. It's, like, <laughs> Reverend feels like he needs to do this in order to, like prove to himself mm-hmm. who he is. Kyle doesn't even want this at all. Right. And, he, and Reverend at that point was making it seem like Kyle was trying to take something from him. And Kyle like, I know. Yeah. Like, I wish I didn't have this power, but I do. So. And what obviously whatever Anderson's going to do on his own is not effective, but then pretty quickly, <laughs> Kyle does, it looks like he's doing like a Yoda from Attack of the Clones, where he puts he just puts up his hands like, <laughs> like this. And even Kyle, the look on his face is a little bit like, oh, oh okay, alright, what's going on? As we, the, the, the big, the goo monster leaves, yes. leaves uh, Caleb, I believe is his name, and it, it's gone. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like almost like Kyle didn't even like try. It just happens. There does need to be natural uh, kind of magicians esque like I'm making things move. What is happening? Um, and yet I is this the first time we've seen it happen where Kyle's kind of still conscious for it? Because it happens with his mother, but he like kind of passes out before the right. whole thing goes down, and then it happens with. I thought Josh while he was aware. Isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got Josh. And then the chick that was in the that's in a coma now. Yeah, sure. He's kind of aware for it. But did there seem to be something a little different about this one? Well, I think most of the time he's touching them physically when it's well, happening, he, and right? He, he did put his hands yeah, on, on Caleb. his shoulder for a second. But for like a second. But was it I I I could be totally wrong. I just watched this, I don't know. But like I thought he wasn't actually physically touching when the stuff came out. No, he That's wasn't. That's what I'm saying. I thought yeah. every other time he was. What felt distinctly different to me, because I, I agree, this definitely felt like a departure from the other situations mm-hmm. they've been in that are similar to this one. Even though he wasn't quite sure how he was doing what he was doing, or at least that's how I read it, he seemed very much in control of mm-hmm. it in a way that he never has before. Like, he's gradually coming into greater command of these abilities that he has without, obviously, unfortunately, coming into a greater understanding yeah. of them. Yeah. But they actually get they get the, the goo thing out. And I'd be a little concerned if all I saw it do was, you know, float up into the rafters of the church yep. and, and disintegrate. <laughs> I'd go... I'm pretty sure we shouldn't stand right here anymore. I'm pretty sure we should go outside for yeah, at least Mildred an hour. Yeah, can definitely come in here and go as she pleases. So it's clear that the church is not sanctified. It's not, there's like, not protected from yeah. whatever these beings yeah. are. So I would at the very least let the church air out for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, let's I mean, open let's a couple windows. <laughs> Mildred going in there, Sydney's the, I feel like he's super bad and he was able to get in the church. Fine, so. Right in the back. Yeah, yeah. and he just hangs out there. But we see too, like the, these these aren't you know they're not demonic entities like they're not the demon Pazuzu from The Exorcist. You know what yeah. I mean? They they aren't bothered by being around the cross clearly yeah. because they can hang out in a church. They're not bothered by an exorcism as we've seen. Which made that scene with Caleb really interesting. The, once everything was out and he's just sitting on the bench talking so with the this reverend. Was fascinating. I like I don't know. Did you get the quote down? I wrote it. Which, which specifically? The one, uh, but I didn't feel any torment. I felt yeah. this warmth, and I figured it was just the sun, but then I felt like there was a hole being drilled in the top of my head, 
and the warmth poured in into me from the hole and filled my whole body, but I wasn't afraid. Rev and I have been coming here every Sunday my whole life because I was afraid. Afraid of dying, afraid of going to hell. I'm not saying you're not doing good work here. I can't go up there on Sunday and tell these good people that you should be afraid. Not anymore. Thank you, Reverend. Yeah. There's so much to unpack in the, like, couple of sentences. Like, first of all, if you started feeling it when you were looking out the window, Kyle is not touching you or near you. Did the thing to sense Kyle and was like, whoops, got a dip. Gotta get out of here. This guy can do bad things. Right. And and then the whole idea that this isn't scary. It isn't terrifying when that seems to be the only, like, little boy was afraid for yeah. probably obvious reasons. Possession, terrifying. Um, we know that his mom who's in a coma, but clearly somewhat semi-conscious still because she cries after that visit with Sydney. Right. This is obviously a horrible experience for her. But what does it mean for that guy to feel warmth? And does it explain um guy with a shotgun from two weeks who was living in the pet store? Right. Who was talked about, like, the way he talked about his possession made me feel like it, he lost it. Like, he wasn't, he didn't have that thing that was making him whole anymore. So what is it doing to these people? It does seem, and this goes back to a couple, uh, one of the, maybe episode three or four, there are conversations where... You, we get the hint without it being explicitly stated that there's more than one kind of mm-hmm. of this creature. So I'm wondering, for example, when the the possessing entity leaves Caleb, it seems to still leave Caleb where he is. Mm-hmm. That's what I was I was just about to bring that up because um, we were wondering both his mother and Sherry right after he took the demon out there in that state where they're not. Really, really even alive anymore. Right. But then Joshua was fine after, and it seems that Caleb is just himself again now. So I'm, there has to be some sort of different kind of demon that affects when they're it's actually taken out of them how they respond to that. Right. I don't know if it's like a length thing of how long they've been or what that is, but... Because he seemed to be himself, right? Yeah. More or less. I mean, yeah, obviously, having, obviously, having gone yeah. through something very profound and yeah. very altering... And that too is not not only not only is it hard enough to fight these demonic entities directly, but now we've got somebody that we saved, and he's basically choosing of his own volition not to stand with us. Well, and the thing is, it's it seems unclear as to whether like is he just no longer afraid of hell and what comes next. He's like it's not scary, which you know he's like maybe it's not ideal, but I'm not terrified of it anymore. Maybe that's the perspective he's coming from, and I don't want to deal with fire and brimstone kind of preaching. Or was it more of, I, you know, it doesn't seem like he's satanic. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like he's, like, shuffling off to worship the devil. And I I don't, the whole thing is very muddy and unclear. And the fact that he thanked the reverend afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, he was there and kind of helped perform the exorcism. Why thank him? Right. It's, it's very confusing and a whole whole lot. And then top of with that with what Mildred has been giving us little bits and pieces of throughout the show. I feel like we are not any clearer on what these things are, where they're from. No, and the other thing, too, is if you are not possessed by one of these demonic entities and you're not somebody who has the benefit of being able to watch the show and get context for every (laughs) everything everybody says... I'm pretty sure that even if you know he means well, Reverend Anderson probably increasingly is coming off like a belligerently crazy asshole. Oh, yes. So I almost can't blame this dude for going, 
thanks, but I'm good. No, yeah, I don't want any part of this. I'm gonna be literally anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good happens here. Yeah, I'm taking my family. I'm moving to a different town. I'm going to go to Charlotte. Rome is sad and awful. Mm. But yeah, he goes off. And but this this sequence of events seems to have made something in Kyle's brain click into place mm-hmm. a little bit differently, mm-hmm. and he finally concedes, I think, both to Anderson and, more importantly, to himself, that he can't run from this. That as long as he refuses to face it head-on, his family can't possibly be safe. Yeah. But he does tell Anderson, you know, when when we're in your church, that's your domain. Obviously, you call the shots. But if we're going to do this together, you and me, we're going to do it my way. Which at this point, thank God. Like, somebody had to take the wheel. But I think that that's where you were talking about whether or not they're going to be able to, like, put the pieces back together. I think this is going to where their relationship is still going to falter. I think Reverend Anderson is going to have way too much trouble not being in charge. I'm going to come back to that in predictions. Okay. Come back to that in predictions. But it does definitely shift the power balance in their relationship. Because whereas before, it definitely seemed like if Kyle was the the wind-up car, Anderson was the one who aimed him and pulled him back and let him go. Now it seems very much like, we're still partners, but I'm going to be... The metaphor doesn't totally work. I'm going to be the one pulling myself back and letting myself go. You get it. Well, no, but even... It feels like we're going to be getting tables turned on us as to who really holds the power here. Because Reverend, if they're afraid of Reverend Anderson and Cindy's like, oh no, I have a plan for him. Sure. What is he? What has he been doing? Yeah, like I, I refuse to believe that he put all this time and energy. And what we saw today in the videos was obviously like, okay, he missed something. But I doubt that he wasted his entire life up until this point. He must have been doing something and he's definitely got them on the run. So I think we're going to see... More from Reverend Anderson. Yeah, and we also said that even though he didn't fully get the demons out of them, he did something to the demons that changed Mm -hmm. the way that they were doing something. So he definitely was doing something. I just think, even when he was watching the videos, maybe he was trying to figure that out, too, a little bit. Like, I know I did something, but what is it? Or what did I, exactly, what did he miss? Sure. And then there's something off. I was going to make a bad joke and say, well, he can't miss the pentagram on his chest. No! Uh, It's right there, all bloody and gross. And if you read the comics, we got a really cool reveal of this. We don't see the actual action of the carving happening. It's just Reverend Anderson opening his shirt, and you're like, what happened? This giant scarring. Um, so to actually see it in the show was simultaneously horrendous and fascinating. Like, first of all, Sydney is fast with a knife. Oh, yeah. He was like, I've got yeah, this straight down. I know exactly what I'm doing. Um, I felt bad for Patricia's son having to be outside and watching this whole thing. And I feel like no good comes from him seeing that. No. no witness at all. Not he at all. not want to see so Sydney. Bad. Especially when his whole deal so far has been, and in his scene at breakfast with his mom, has been, you always get involved with a guy, and the guy turns out to be, in his words, turns out to be a dick. This is, <laughs> based on how you perceive what he is, is seeing, mm-hmm. if you're the one seeing it, this is several orders of magnitude more severe <laughs> than just being a dick. Oh, yeah. So how that, how that is going to continue to play out, I am not certain, but I have, I have thoughts. But before we get to our thoughts, there's still some threads that we need to touch on really quickly yeah. before we run out of time. Chief among them, we have the return of Donnie to Megan's narrative. Yeah, that was coming. Yeah, and this guy. Donnie needs a slap upside the face. 
Like, duh. well, he got he got a few, and it doesn't I, seem to have helped him. He needs a slap from me. Like, I just want to <laughs> wind up and pitch right across his face. How dare you blackmail this? Like, you're lucky all you got was a beating. Like, you're lucky. He's like, oh, I'm gonna have seizures. I don't care. But whoa, what a beating! Yeah. I like you knew that it was pretty rough, but the fact that he's still in the like hot. I don't mean I don't know how much time has passed, but still, he maybe has brain damage. Dang, Mark. Mark went yeah, at him. Yeah, he said apparently. Apparently, yeah, and it, it's a little bit like, okay, do we know? Well, do you guys believe him, or do you think that could be something he's saying to garner sympathy? By the look of his state, that's true. He doesn't look good. He doesn't look good. Um, but just with how he is as a person, you see him trying already to like manipulate and blackmail. It makes you question it a little. At this point, I don't think that he's lying or making it up. Right. But I mean, his kid. I mean, he doesn't book, have good character at this yeah, point. Yeah. So. In the comic book, you see Mark beat him up. Like it's implicit. It's not a question. So I think that yes, he did. Um, well, that's, if he doesn't actually have these these potential. Life now lifelong conditions. Then it's like mm-hmm. okay, well, if his leverage is threatening to hire a lawyer, yeah. you wouldn't have that leverage if you'd hired a lawyer and the lawyer was like, "But you're lying." Yeah, <laughs> right, and right, it's right. like regardless if he has brain damage or not, he still got beat up super badly by a cop on duty who pulled mm-hmm. him up. Like, so that doesn't, doesn't even matter. Like, Mark. no matter what, he could hire a lawyer just for the fact that he did that. So. Right, and so essentially the ultimatum he gives is it's going to go one of two ways, and it's either you know I was and he he says you know I really was just here to sell tires, but the story no, can I the story yes yeah, right I, the story yeah. can either be I had a little too much to drink and got into a scuffle outside a bar with some locals. Oh darn, I just couldn't get a good yeah. look at him, or I tell him the truth and Mark goes to jail. Either way. We're going to have some fun. And by the way, you. <laughs> yeah, you sick. Mm, I so am so, so curious to what exactly he's trying to. I really think he just likes torturing Megan. Like, I just yeah. think that, like, he kind of gets off on that and the fact that, like, now I get to hold part of your life in my hands. Exactly. My control yeah, again. It's, it's possession and control. Yeah, and it's, creepy. I think, I think, yeah, it's certainly his desire certainly extends to possessing and controlling her physically. But in lieu of that, I think this dude is twisted enough that he will settle for being able to possess and control parts of her well, life. And oh, yeah. to take down her white knight. Like, if you oh, yeah. can, like, make that guy go away, I think he feels like he has a much better chance at her. I can't wait till something bad happens to him. I don't know if something bad happens to him, but I'm just waiting for it in my soul. It's going to be good. And then I do want to touch really briefly on Mark and the Chief because Mark tracks down. So Mark tracks down the girl whose fingernail was found at Mm. the camper. She tells him essentially nothing of use, but then we see her going to meet with Ogden on his nice, you know, riding lawnmower. And (laughs) essentially Ogden says, okay, well, I'll take, I already took care of the camper. Don't just. Basically, keep your head down. Yeah. And I'll, I'll take care of this. And of course, we get a, we get another another really long lingering shot on Ogden to end a scene. Although this time he swears. Well, and we he get that peak of wifey. Wife. Yeah, yeah. got to be wifey. Who's like, oh no, I know all yeah. about this jive and don't appreciate. It, which makes me wonder: Is Ogden possessed? That's what I was thinking. It's because we get a change in personality. We get him dating the girl, which seems outside of his personality, and we get. Uh, the police chief is like, you being weird. Like, you might be my best friend, and I don't understand what this is going on. This leads me. This is all classic signs of possession within the show. Sure, That's what I had that, as a prediction. And and obviously we've got we saw the way the dog reacted to Ogden yeah. a couple episodes ago. Yeah. But and then so chief 
Chief gets a, gets a good run around this episode, basically being blown off left and right by people. But when... I did think it was interesting that when uh, Kyle finds Mildred dead on the porch and Giles shows up, he wastes no time. <laughs> is just He immediately starts needling Kyle yes. a little bit. I'm like, bro, stop. I know. He's a police. He's inquisitive. He's got to know the answer. But he also talks about, like, you know, Anderson said, like, you've got a special knack for this thing that he does. And I do really like how we the show keeps implying very, very, very heavily that Chief Giles knows quite a bit more about what's going yeah. on than he talks about. Mm-hmm. How much he himself totally buys into it, I don't know. Or, or is it just... Anderson seems to have had some success helping crazy people, so I'll let him keep helping crazy people. I I don't know. Yeah. But the big detail in that scene that I thought was real interesting was when he goes into Mildred's house and he finds a picture of the camper. Yes. And I don't even know what to think about it at this point, but I was like, what? Yeah. Cahoots. They're in cahoots. Cahoots. Just too much. Is that is that is that I mean, you're calling it right does, now? Why else is the fire chief showing up at this dead woman's house? Yeah, exactly. Well, you don't need to be here. And then yeah, he looks out and he sees Ogden outside. And That's what makes me think he's possessed too. For he's sure. He's in with the demon. Mm. So oh. all right, so we we've touched on a lot, and now I think we're getting into a point where we just need to start speculating wildly. Yes. yes. So let's move in to predictions. I'll go first. I have really just quick ones because I pretty yeah. much already talked about them. So I totally, I, I wrote down that I think Ogden is possessed at this point. There's mm-hmm. something going on weird with him. And clearly the chief seems like a good guy. I don't think that this would be his best friend if he had always been like this and sketchy and weird. So totally think that bad things, I feel like, are coming from Megan and the chief. Mm-hmm. Those are the two people at this point that I am the most worried about. And that's all I'm going to... Very quickly, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers with uh, Reverend Anderson and um, Kyle. I think that we're going to see their powers, like, line up within the next episode. We started getting a lot of parallels between them in this episode, including Kyle at the top of the show throwing his beer, and then Reverend at the end throws his bourbon. Um, And we have a lot of other, like, you know, they're both kind of blowing people off and trying to play their, like, really hard into the roles that they know they're supposed to be, but aren't quite filling. I'm really hoping that next episode we get a combination of their powers, whatever the Reverend has been doing to help mix with Kyle now having a little more control over his powers. Yeah. To maybe actually start healing some people. Sure. I I actually, I second that. And I, I'm actually going to second both of your predictions because I do also think that the two people we should be most concerned about <laughs> at this point are the Chief and Megan. And mm. I really, especially Megan, because yeah. it's the one person who's close to Kyle that could has not been touched by this yet. And could be used most effectively to hurt him. But also, now that you've drawn this line between these characters and the Power Rangers, if this season doesn't climax in a really big kaiju fight, I'm going to be super disappointed. So thanks for that. I think that's going to do it for us. Unless you guys have any final thoughts for this week. I think that is going to do it for us. So where can people find you guys online? Uh, hey guys, I'm Joel Monique. Catch me this week. Uh, Black Girl Nerds, we're going to be covering Comic-Con and mostly the premiere of Star Trek, so check it out. I'm Abby Vega. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Abby Vega. And I am Lex Michael. All of our social media at the Lex Michael. We are going to be off next week. We're all going to be places. Some of us are going to be at San Diego Comic-Con. We're planning on doing a meetup if you guys are there. If not, we're going to see you in two weeks' time. We're going to be covering the next two episodes. We're looking forward to that. In the meantime, please go like us, subscribe us, rate us five stars. Tell everybody how much you love us. We love you guys. We will see you in two weeks. Bye, guys.
from executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.